This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we're going to bang a suspected child killer to get him to confess or something. As we watch spine number 117 in the Criterion Collection, Louis Benwell's Diary of a Chambermaid from 1964. But first, RJ, it's... Like the middle of the year. It's like the longest um, it's like the longest day of the year and it's so sunny and it'll stay sunny so late now. Aren't you excited? Are you are uh, you are you are you gonna make any sacrifices? Ooh, actually that, that ties in really well with uh, a lot of my creeps. Whoa. That's, that's actually pretty good timing. Nice. Pretty good timing. Uh I had a thought about that. Uh I don't follow uh the traditional seasons and calendars as uh, most people do uh i i'm like with the those corn harvest people oh you know the stephen king corn people huskers the huskers the harvest which you might say isn't that just normal seasons and maybe it is maybe i've never looked too much into it as you can tell we are completely out of things to talk about on this show and this might be the last episode Hey RJ, what, what's up? We, we we got a listener email. What? We never get emails. I know. I I feel like people should email in more because they can. It's not like a bad thing. No. What um, what, what does fan have to say? Well, let's open this up here. It's from some guy named Ryan Nagel. Oh, and... friend of the show, Ryan Nagel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's he got to say? <clears throat> See. I'm responding three question mark weeks late to the call out on the pod for my four star review of Heat. Four mm. stars is still very good. I really like the movie. There were a couple things that stood out to me that I'd used to justify the rating. At nearly three hours, movie runs a little long. Mm-hmm. While the characters are all really good, there were some things with Robert De Niro's character that I felt weren't great. You mentioned the decision to deal with uh, Wingro, and I probably agree. Even more than I, that, I just felt his romance feel so tacked on, unbelievable, and unnecessary. The time wasted on that goes back to my first point. The depiction of the sacrifices he's made to be the leader and be successful were enough to, to have me invested in the, the character. Hopefully you find this a sufficient defense of the half-star <laughs> difference of our reviews, and these mm-hmm. unprovoked attacks on myself can be put to rest. Keep creeping. Uh, he makes a good point. You you did call him out on the I, show. I, I certainly did. For this, his, this, uh, this. his half-star deviation mm-hmm. from uh, your own rating. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, you know what? I, I, think I, I think I'm at... Uh, I'm going to have to side with uh, him on this one. Because uh, you have called me out on uh, such uh, things like half-star deviations or, uh, you know, <laughs> no stars at all. Uh, I think he had a good explanation of why he didn't like Eat. And I think when you were talking about that, that was something you said, too. You're like, yeah, some people don't like uh, the romance and the reason he goes back. But, uh, you know, it sets up uh, that big scene that he talks about the whole movie. Mm-hmm. He said, if you can't walk away from it in, what is it, like 12 seconds flat or some shit? You know, you know the good you yeah. know the good line. So it sets it up. And, yeah, it's a little shoehorned in. I thought it was good. But it's nice to hear uh, that uh, you provoked and bullied someone else into actually standing up for themselves i think there was one person who emailed in one time and i think you just really let them have it and they never emailed in again (laughs) that that time that didn't i don't think happen but that's okay it might have been me but yeah it's it's nice to hear from people oh 
You what know, do you have to say about this defense of uh, the four-star rating of Heat? That's fine. Um, I, I've i never felt that the runtime of this movie was an, a, an issue for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it spends a pretty good amount of time justifying its existence. Um, but, hey, that's that's okay. That's all good. I was just curious. Now we got some feedback. So now you know? Now I know. So thanks. Well, so, so thanks. Well, there you go. He's been put in his place. You want to hear something? King, King Creep. You want to hear a, uh, a comment we received on our uh, YouTube uh, yeah, page? Yeah, I would, I would love to, actually. Uh, it, it's in reference to Salo. No. Our, our most, one of our most listened to episodes. By a country mile, too, isn't it? Uh, probably at this point. It's pretty hilarious. Yeah. Okay, what did someone so, say on Sabo? I'm really, so, I don't know this actually. Okay, so 20 hours ago at the time of us recording, uh, Jennifer Cruz posted, You guys missed one of the most important things the name. Salo, as it was already said in the podcast, is the province of the de facto centered government of the Italian Social Republic in World War II, and therefore part of the meaning of the movie is about how the Mussolini regime operated there. Most of the actions in the movie are symbolic representations on how society was used and treated in the Italian Social Republic. The comment about the poop scene eating opinion about food process was talking specifically about one of the several policies Mussolini put on put on force in the RSI. So maybe reading a little bit more about history could give us a better understanding of this movie. I, this is why I hate Savo. This is why I hate it because of people like this who who make these big leaps and it's like, yeah, I'm sure there are real things in history. You know, people used to eat each other too. Does that mean it's like any time that it, like it's in a movie, it's like, well, if you look at like history, we, we this ate, is where it comes. We, we ate the Neanderthals. Yeah. But like, you know what I mean? It's like, you don't have, I, I realize it is like a direct response to that historical stuff. But I, I'm also confused because the person said we didn't mention it, but then they also say as mentioned in the podcast. Yeah. So did we bring up the title? Just I, not not in uh, as much as they wanted? Uh, yeah, something like that. I mean, that was like a year and a half ago when we, we uh, recorded yeah. that. It's a distant memory. Um, I feel like I did a pretty okay job of actually researching that one because i knew what the response from you was going to be on that one so Mm -hmm. i thought i thought i I came uh all guns a blazing defending that type of movie rather than like going into specifics about the plot because that's the show that we do it's not really about um maybe breaking down those themes of a movie per se but about how we enjoy movies and how we watch movies and whatnot so that's thanks for the comment. I, I it's good that people are still digging deep, and they're going to listen, take seriously at all our YouTube review capsules. So that's nice. Um, but I thought I would share that because I know how much you love the prominence of Salo in our world. I fucking hate Salo. It's so stupid. <laughs> and, and you do you know how much it bothers me that that is our oh, most listened sad. to episode. Sad RJ. It's, so it's sad. like. I checked the other like a week you, ago. I think it has like 800 listens, and our, the <laughs> the second closest is Passion of Joe and Arc with like not even it's not even close anymore. It's like 500 or something like oh, that. Oh man, sable has got uh, hundreds more. <laughs> mm-hmm. And those numbers are so sad too. At L- least low views. That's where we're at in our life. We're getting there. Yep. We're month, getting there month by month. <clears throat> well, I could say more about this Salo review, but you know what? 
I don't think I need to. Well, let's follow what Ryan said and keep creeping. So here, RJ, what what you been creeping on? A whole bunch, (gasps) as I'm the only person who takes this podcast seriously. Hey, hey, I watched like four movies this week. Okay, well, that's all right. Yeah. That's all right. I watched so many, Jared, that I'm I'm only going to cover this one movie in about four sentences. I watched an Andy pick called Set It Up. Mm-hmm. Is that what you thought I was going to start with? No. Uh, Set It Up, directed by Claire Scanlon, is a Netflix movie starring Zoe Dutch, who is an actress that is quite popular, apparently. Allegedly. Also, uh, allegedly. And Lucy Liu's in there and Tay Diggs, so that's cool. And then some guy who kind of looks like Andy Samberg, but not really. Hmm. Anyways, uh, what were we talking about? Set It Up. Uh, it's a Netflix movie. Andrea made me watch it. Uh, it is a rom-com. Uh, I saw on Twitter after we watched it, people were kept saying, "Is like Netflix has revived the rom-com. Uh, this movie is about two uh, temps that work for overworking, overbearing bosses, and they set them up. So because if, if they're dating each other, they don't have as much time to put work on them. But would you believe, Jarrett, that by working together, the two temps might fall in love? Yes, it would surprise me. It would surprise you? Uh, it's exactly what you think it is. It's not very good. Um, <laughs> there's like there's like two good jokes in it, I think. Uh, a- Andrea liked it. So if you have a girl who's looking for... I think she described it as nice, easy watching because she was like eating and on her cell phone during it. So that's the kind of movie you can expect. Fantastic. There you go. You know what else I watched though, Jared? What? Oh, baby. This is uh, this is par for your interests here. Um, that's not the phrase, but I'm going to stick to it. Uh, I watched The Last Witch Hunter hmm. as we were speaking about uh, D&D and sacrifices and witchcraft and such and such. Um, do you know about The Last Winch- Witch Hunter? Um, this is a movie Vin yeah, Diesel made because yeah. he loves Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. This is his D&D vanity project. Yeah. Uh, it's directed by a guy named Breck Eisner, who did uh, the Crazies remake and uh, Sahara. So Vin Diesel, Jarrett, is in uh, like pre-medieval time even. It's like uh, it's like hut time when dudes lived in huts and stuff. Like Stone Age? Yeah, almost. Like is, is a little it, bit ahead is, of Stone Is it Age. agrarian? Uh, it's possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, possible. So... Yeah. Are there farmers uh, in fields? Yeah, there are farmers okay. in fields. I guess, it, well, they have swords, so I guess it's medieval. Right? Yeah, I mean, if they, if they have swords, then that's like okay, definitely, so, that's, some, that's some Bronze Age accent, action. Okay. So let's let's say Bronze Age. So <laughs> you got Vin Diesel, and he's got a big beard, and him and uh, all the townsfolk are going up to the mountain to kill the witch, who is like uh, a forest nymph thing. I think these people were reading that uh, those Scott Snyder books about how like, when witches were like plants, basically, and they were all in tune with plant shit. Witches, white, yeah, witches. Uh, so it's like one of those witches, and they made a curse to kill all the people because people kill all the plants. Mm, are these, uh, as are these sexy witches? No, there's only one, and she's like a plant. She's like a plant person. Okay. So there's there's only one. Um, well, there's more later, but it's like modern time. But anyway, she's just like a plant person, and she's killing people because people kill plants she's got a sweet line too later on in the movie where she's like you put stone on stone 
and dis- demolish plant life. So it's like poison ivy? Kind of. Yeah, that's it. That's who it is. So uh, Vin Diesel fights this lady and they both take each other out. But uh, she's like, I'm going to curse you to live forever. And he's like, oh, shit. So then you cut to a scene on a plane with Vin Diesel. He's looking sharp. It's modern day. It's current time. And he finds a witch on a plane and the plane almost goes down. And he's really smart and good at witchcraft now. And he like dismantles her witch bomb or whatever. And he's like, you people have no idea hey, what kind of power when, you when, have. Hey, when you do Vin Diesel voice, you got to do it properly. Very, very deep into the very microphone. Deep. You say you you don't know your kind of power you'll have. Is that Vin Diesel? <laughs> it's flawless. Okay, nice. Uh, so you find out that he works in this kind of sect that's like this. It's not like a well, yeah, it, it's like a Christian brotherhood. Uh, and um, Michael Caine is his handler for this Christian brotherhood, and he like hunts down witches. Uh, later, you're introduced to Elijah Wood, who's like the new. Uh, handler for him of the Christian Brotherhood because Michael Caine's super old and Elijah Wood just wears like turtlenecks in this thing. Is, is Michael Caine actually in this movie? Uh, For like five, five whole minutes, five mm. whole screen time yeah. minutes. And Elijah Wood is in this movie for maybe 15 full screen minutes. Yeah. Uh, And then he meets like Rose Leslie, Leslie, you know, Egret. Uh, she's a witch. So you see like, you see him like kind of trying to help witches, like young ones. He's like, "Let me show you your power." I'm gonna, I'm just gonna do that voice. I'll stick to it. He's like trying to help them, but then he also like encounters like bad ones, and you get like fun scenes of like witch nightclubs. Uh, I think everyone's trying to emulate that uh, sweet, awesome scene in Blade Two when they go to the vampire club and they're they're all doing vampire shit. It's kind of like this. It's like a witch club. And there's like people doing magic and stuff in like different corners. And you're like, all right, whatever. So uh, it's modern day Vin Diesel. And then the old witch comes back and that's the movie. This movie is also not very good, Jared, (laughs) for different reasons. Uh, I've heard a lot of people describe this movie as fun and uh, lighthearted and, you know, just go in with an open mind and like you'll be okay. Like it's not a big deal. Just. You know, just go in there. Uh, I don't agree with that completely. Uh, I mean, it's okay. There's some good scenes, but even like the scenes that people say are fun, where he's say like fighting monsters and shit. It's who cares? Whatever. But there is a cool scene with Vin Diesel with a sword that's on fire, so that's nice. But this was entirely because he's really into D and D, and he's like, I'm gonna make a movie about it. There's one scene, though, Jared, that I do want to tell you about that I thought was really funny. So uh, Vin Diesel goes into an apartment with Elijah Wood and he like stops in the doorway and looks on the floor and there's some dead flies there. And he's like, one dead fly, coincidence. Or one dead fly, uh, nothing to worry about. Two dead flies, coincidence. Three dead flies. And then he like he like turns really quick and looks, looks up and the apartment explodes. <laughs> <laughs> like like the windows like implode in like all the glass like comes into the apartment it was really funny what three. he's just like two dead flies coincidence three dead flies and then he like looks up and then the impart the apartment like explodes i don't okay it was fun it okay. was funny i don't think it was meant to be funny but i thought it was funny <laughs> so uh, i got a couple more for you jared that i'll run through <laughs> sure uh i watched dog tooth 
by Yorgos Lanthimos. Our boy. Our boy. Uh, I like him. I do find some of his movies to have some rough stuff in there. Uh, this was the, I think, the one I haven't seen, other than like his short stuff and like his real old stuff. You haven't seen Alps either. Is that a, is that a short film or is no, that like a his feature, first? That's a feature film. That's is like. That any good? I don't think I think it's like the weakest of the movies I've seen of his like his feature lengths so I was kind of on a kick and I thought this kind of fit in there like naturally from Last Witch Hunter to Dogtooth yeah and my next two films yeah. as well uh, Dogtooth is about a family who like a mom and dad who raised their three kids basically like on a compound it's like their house is secluded out in the middle of nowhere and they raise them so that the kids don't know there's an outside world that's basically all this is mm -hmm. they're really like naive and don't know how stuff works yeah uh i thought this movie was really good up into the point where the guy kills the cat on the lawn and i was totally checked out at that point um i get it like it makes sense in the movie but i was like eh, i'm not as interested in this anymore <laughs> Like, you know what I, cause his, like, even in the lobster, there's that scene where the lady kicks the dog to death. And I was like, I, I get why it's in here, but I also don't think it's necessary. <laughs> so, uh, I liked dog tooth, but, uh, at that point I was like, eh, I'm okay. Uh, and also Andrea came down when I was watching this and, uh, she's like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm watching this movie. And it was right at the scene where it's like girls going down on each other. And Andrea's like, oh, one of those kinds of movies. Mm -hmm. uh, as you if listeners might remember when I tried to watch a Jim Wynorski movie with her and it turned out to be just legitimate porn. Um, <laughs> so she thought it was one of those two. And I was like, no, no, serious. It's uh, it's that Greek guy from uh, Sacred Deer because she watched that with me. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's like, sure, sure. And she just went right back upstairs. So uh, she thinks I'm a sex pervert. Which is good. Mm -hmm. So I have two more, Jared. <laughs> okay. Uh, this one fit in with my kick. Uh, I watched The Lord of Illusions, mm. uh, directed by Clive Barker yeah. from uh, the middle 90s. Uh, I think we've talked about Clive Barker before. He's a super cool dude. Uh, I'm reading The Books of Blood right now. And uh, I, I really like Clive Barker. I think he's a really smart dude. Like the way he writes stuff. He's really smart. He's an intelligent guy. It's not showy, though. He just kind of drops it in there. Uh, so Lord of Illusions is this funny movie about uh, Job Bluth, uh, like a, a cult of magicians and illusionists, and then Scott Bakula. And he's like, uh, he's a detective, and he kind of stumbles into this world. Uh, the lead illusionist uh, is killed, and his history, he was part of a cult, uh, which had like a master illusionist who did real magic. Uh, and they wanted to sacrifice a lady for the cult, but this illusionist uh, kind of took over and then used the magic to become rich. And then he dies, and then Scott Bakula comes in to investigate it, and he gets kind of mixed up in the world. Uh, I think Scott Bakula is pretty cool. I like Quantum Leap. I don't think he get he deserves all the shit that he gets. Uh, there's Tom Noonan Jr. in this, Kevin O'Connor, mm -hmm. who uh, you might remember from uh, There Will Be Blood. Or the Mummy, as a comedic relief in the Mummy. Yeah, uh, I think that guy's really good too. Um, this movie's pretty good. Uh, I think it starts off like really good. Yeah, like the, the, first, the, the first the first fifteen, 15 minutes, minutes are fucking awesome. 
the first 15 20 minutes are really really good where it's like uh the, it's all about the cult and yeah. like the magic and stuff well yeah it's like kind of like um it's like this Mans- Manson-esque kind of like the ranch because it's out in the desert and you're mm-hmm. and you're dumped in this situation you're like what's going on and it's like wait this guy actually knows how to do magic and it's like oh yeah that's like not like you can't do anything about it like this guy's going to mess everything up and it's just intense and violent and like unpredictable and then the rest of the movie kicks into no- exactly. neo-noir tropes exactly so it, it goes into a detective movie and it has parts that are good, yeah. but on the whole, it's just like, there's too much there. It's just not very interesting. So I watched like Clive Barker's director's cut and there's like a little bumper ahead of it where it's, it's like, this isn't even really the, it's still not the movie we wanted to make, but it's as close as we're going to get. So here you go. I don't know how much added footage is in this, like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes maybe, yeah, but um, maybe the whole movie itself is kind of. It's it's just too too long and there's not enough happening in it. Uh, it doesn't live up to that first 15 minutes, which I think it is like so good. Uh, but Scott Bakula has this huge tribal tattoo on his back, and I think that's really funny. Uh, and then also, I, one thing I really like about Clive Barker is like his aesthetics because it's all very like cruising esque mm-hmm. like the the main bad guy in this wears like super tight uh yellow leather pants and then like a mesh tank top and he he's like somehow still threatening and and, and imposing even though it's like <laughs> these like super bright gold pants it's like i can't take that guy seriously Some canary yellow <laughs> yeah yeah so like I, I like his aesthetics. Uh, Clyde Barker's a cool guy, and he has cool ideas. So yeah, but unfortunately, I mean, outside of like Hellraiser, I don't like yeah, like because you've seen that Nightbreed, and it's like yep, yeah. Well, from I mean, he's a better writer than he is a, a like a filmmaker. Uh, yeah, because like I've read some of his other books, like uh, like I think A Magica is really good, and uh, his short stories are good too. But I don't know, I. I like him. I think he's a cool guy. He's got cool ideas, but uh, his movies aren't They're. I mean, I don't know. He tries. Hell, Hellraiser's like an excellent movie though, but oh, it yeah. just seems like, yeah, subsequent movies. It's like, uh, his vision is exceeds mm-hmm. his, like the actual budget and reality yeah. of like making movies for studios, which is just mm-hmm. navigating the system. And I don't know if that makes you a good director, bad director, a cursed director or what it does. Cause I mean, your, your Terry Gilliams, your Orson Welles are like those guys too. But I mean, they're making, in some cases, real movies. And Clyde Barker is just making schlocky horror movies. But that's just kind of like stupid genre distinctions and stuff like that. Right. But yeah, it's like, yeah, Lord of Illusions was one of those movies. I remember uh, seeing the commercials for it as a kid. And like mm-hmm. I, I was like, when you're a kid, you just know Stephen King. He's awesome. Oh, man, he makes those horror movies. But his yeah. stuff shows up on TV. And so you kind of like see them and experience them they're not so bad but clive barker i mean that's a hell of a name there's something about well, that name or it's like that's like the one it's like oh man this guy's way too hardcore and then mm-hmm. like that lord of illusions trailer like that thing i remember being like oh man i want to watch this movie like i had never read a clive barker book 
But like mm. I wanted to read them, but it was always like, oh, I don't know. I think it's just a little too gory. And yeah, I, I remember yeah. like going to uh, <clears throat> whatever it was, uh, Smith Books, Cole Books, mm-hmm. the and like always looking for Clyde Barker. And you'd never actually see his horror books. It was always in Magicka and the, the gra- fantasy the, stuff. The, the great, whatever, the greatest magic show great in the world. Great and secret show. Yeah. You, I always yeah. see that, but you never see like Books of Blood and stuff like that or like uh, Hellbound Heart and stuff like that. You never saw his like horror stuff that is what people want which was people always held on fr- to them frustrated well no this was like new copies people they, oh, just, okay. they just i don't know if they were just not available at that time or what the story well, was so he has like a weird history like he he started doing horror and then eventually he did just go straight fantasy like a magica has horror stuff and even a weave world mm-hmm. and great and secret show like they all have elements of horror in them sure. but they're 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 almost in like straight fantasy things but uh, no, he is cool, and I think the one thing that uh, they were trying to stick him out apart from other people that they just had on fucking everything was that Stephen King quote, where it was like, uh, "I've seen the or like the new face of horror, and, and is, his name is Clive Barker. His name is Clive Barker, <laughs> but it sounded like this because it was Steve, um, sexually compatible, compatible, tabby, <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know." Uh, I think Clyde Barker's super cool. I mm-hmm. like him. Nice. Magic is good. That would that would make a really good like HBO show. Maybe once like uh, Game of Thrones is done, because that book is like fucking well, enormous. Or, or it could wind up being the next American Gods. Oh, oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. So American I don't know. American horror fantasy is always a tall order to pull off properly like because even like uh, did you ever watch carnival no it's <laughs> got i don't did you, you never saw any of it eh? you've heard about it though i'm sure i know i know carnival i just yeah. never was interested uh, it's like i don't know it, it's production and stuff like that was so good like that show like was so close to being really great and it just never got there it's really a bummer yeah. That's what a lot of people say about our show. That's probably very true. It could have been really great. It just never got there. Yeah. So I have one last thing to talk about, Jerry. Mm -hmm. It's the big show. The big ticket. What people have been waiting for. A theatrical release. A theatrical release. So uh, I'm going to talk about Hereditary by Ari Aster. And uh, I'm not going to get into spoilers until the very end. But I'll, I'll say when I do. And you can just jump like a minute. Because I, I don't want to spoil it for you either. So I'm going to be very vague and uh, general. Mm-hmm. But before I get into the movie, Jarrett, I have to tell you about one of the single worst theater experiences I've ever had. Right. So uh, I've had two two all-time bad ones. Uh, one was... Uh, and this one wasn't... Okay, I should rephrase that. So this is... I haven't seen a crowd turn on a movie this bad since tree of life. And that was when I saw literally half of a, in a, a full theater walk out of the movie about an hour in like halfway through. And I found that really surprising. And then at the end of tree of life, uh, the, the, like the five people that stayed, they stood up and uh, one guy looked at everyone. And he said, what was, he was like, what the fuck was that? And then they all left. And, uh, me and Andrew were there and we're just like, I don't know. Seemed fine to us, but we didn't want to say anything because we were like the only people who didn't have a problem with it. Apparently, hmm. anyways, that was one of them. And the other uh, worst experience I've ever had was for Real Steel, that Hugh Jackman movie with the robots, <laughs> uh-huh. where there was like, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the show. It no. was fucking insane. I so. so I went with Little Meat 
which I also went to Hereditary to actually. Uh, so we were in the movie and uh, like there was an entire row of people a row ahead of us playing games on their cell phones the entire time. Hmm. There was uh, people talking and cheering for the robots behind us, which is like that's fine and stuff. I, I get that you're excited uh but you know dial it back um there was a guy beside me who got so fucking into this movie that i'm not kidding he started slapping his own face (laughs) i'm not i'm not kidding he was just fucking smacking it and he was like yeah uh i don't think he had any like this seems like uh issues he he seemed like a very normal guy. He was like on a date with his girlfriend, but he was so fucking jacked up about uh, robots fighting each other. It was horrible. That was that was one of the worst I've ever seen. Like people answering their phones in the theater, and me and little meter sit in there and we're like we're like what do we do? It was it was like an entire it was a, a full theater. And did you, did you go to like the special screening? No, it was normal. <laughs> so I just had to say that. So this movie, Jerem. Uh, we went on a Saturday A- night. A24's Hereditary. A- A24's Hereditary. Uh, me and Little Meat went on Saturday night, which we knew was a gamble. We mm-hmm. we were going and we're like, you know, Saturday night, horror movie. It was the late show. We're like, we, we didn't really want to, but it was like, fuck, we, let's go see this thing. We didn't want to wait a couple days, which I really wish we had, but it's too late now. So we had the horror Saturday night crowd, and... Man, it was real, real bad. Like, uh, so for the first hour of the movie, everybody was really into it, was really into it, like just good crowd. And then about after an hour in, uh, the crowd started reacting in weird ways to things happening on scene. They were laughing a lot. And it was like stuff that wasn't even really necessarily funny. Like there were some scenes that's like, I guess that's, you could see that as like comedy, but like there's a scene where uh, Tony Collette is like sleepwalking and she wakes up in her son's room and he's like, what are you doing? And then it goes back to her and she's like paused because like she just woke up and she's like, uh, I don't know. But like in that scene, when it go when he's like, what are you doing? And it cuts back to her. The like the whole theater started laughing like it was like a comedy bit. And like me and me and me looked at each other. And I'm like, Ooh, what's going on? And then it just continued. And like the crowd fed off of each other. So every little fucking thing, they were just fucking like going nuts over going nuts. Like it was a Melissa McCarthy movie. They were just laughing so much at just the tiniest things, things that were in no way supposed to be funny. Like there was a scene where a guy was just standing there, like looking at a door and they're like, oh, oh, ah, like everyone was just going crazy. And we're like, oh, this is really weird. And um, this movie in the last 20 minutes uh, takes a total turn. Like it like it's pretty subdued for an hour and 40. And then the last 20 minutes, this thing kind of goes uh in the deep end of like weird stuff. Okay. Like you, you're a horror guy. You won't think it's weird at all. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was weird at all. I thought it was kind of cool actually, but, um, the entire theater was just shouting and laughing for the entire last 20 minutes. And it really fucking killed the movie for us. Like, because it was like the big finish. Like mm-hmm. this movie actually has a payout, I think, which a lot of horror movies don't. So they actually have a payout in this movie and uh but we couldn't we couldn't even like watch it and take it seriously because the the whole theater was just laughing 
because and it wasn't like i i've heard like i saw you sent me some film critic on twitter who was like it's like if you're surprised at the the laughing because apparently this isn't like this wasn't uh, a standalone event this is happening in a lot of theaters so the because you said sent me the guy who was like well if yeah if you're surprised about laughing okay i was gonna say that like so cinema score uh the website yeah. that like it's on a website. It's like it's a hosting thing, and they do like these surveys for audiences exiting random theaters across like the country in America. And uh, usually, the last time anyone even talked about it was because with when Mother came out last year, uh, yeah. this movie got an F, yeah. and people were like, "We're like, holy shit!" Because this movie's like really good, but man, people are churning mm-hmm. hard on it. They fucking hate it. And Hereditary, uh, I didn't realize. Uh, had a D plus uh, mm-hmm. and it's like whoa so it's like another one of these kind of like art I don't know my my impression because I've, I've never watched the trailer for this I only mm-hmm. know that people have been kind of hyping up this movie about called Hereditary they won't even watch the trailer for it and they don't want to know anything about it going in and mm-hmm. it was like all the buzz A24 it's like The Witch again and when people mm-hmm. kind of hated on The Witch too a little bit because it's a slow burn movie and so I'm like whatever I kind of have an idea of what to expect with this movie but uh, yeah I didn't realize that people were um, turning hard on this movie until you brought it up and then I started seeing other people talking about it and then, like a yep. day after you brought it up to me, um, uh, there was uh, yeah, this, somebody retweeted this on Twitter about the, the, this person who teaches film saying this is how young people respond to things that make them uncomfortable, and uh, no one should be surprised that that's what's happening. It happens all the time in my classroom, mm-hmm. and of course, this person has never actually seen the movie. They admit later on in the comments, and oh, they're like so saying stupid. like it's like no, people are not like nervously laughing at things. They're like full-on rejecting the movie and like mm-hmm. laughing it off the screen oh yeah that's what i mean like there was no 12 year old kids in our theater like i would say other than me and meat the uh like the mean for the audience was probably like 35 huh. like it, it was all like 25 to 35s and uh no they weren't laughing because they were nervous they were laughing because they thought it was fucking ridiculous because like when it when it really picked up and they were laughing we were like looking around we're like what is going on and like there was people like the people laughing were looking at each other and like i i saw some people saying it's like what the fuck is like that's so stupid like people saying stuff like that they just thought it was really dumb and like i don't know so the thing about that is i actually thought it was kind of cool but uh i think i've seen a few more older horror movies i guess and maybe more obscure like i i'm not even the most well versed in that shit either but i've seen more than let's say the average saturday night mm-hmm. horror movie goer yeah, you, you've, so, you've borrowed from the uh the, the jared from collection the, from the jared collection so i've seen some uh some grime and uh some filth but uh <laughs> my cat just, my cat jumped up here um so like it i thought it was kind of cool i wish i could have seen it like purely Mm -hmm. but uh that wasn't the case no they they hated it my crowd and it was about an hour in that they really turned on this thing fascinating the last 20 minutes which uh i hear people like the supporters of this movie are like oh it'll change your life that's not accurate either so i just i wanted to talk about the theater experience because there was no way i could have came out of this thing with a uh like a clear concise uh like way to talk about it without saying that right. the crowd killed this for me. Well, totally. you, this, uh, this talk has really scared me off watching this like in theater. 
I would I would wait until it comes home. There's Man. no there's no rush. Just wait until it's released on DVD. But I'm, I'm gonna be plugged in or watch it on VOD or just find a copy online right now. Or or go maybe not on a Saturday night. Yeah, see, I just go. This is go why this I is, I know. This I know. is why I wanted to go see it at twelve forty-five. See it with Silver Fox. We, I was it, at it, a it, wedding. It would have been. It would have been a respective crowd, and we, I couldn't been go. Great. No, look at you. Look at you got. This is what you get. Yeah, I know. I couldn't go that day. It was at a wedding. It couldn't oh, be helped. God. So, okay. Anyways, I'm just I'm just gonna talk briefly about it. I won't I won't spoil it or anything. Okay. Um, I think it's good. Uh, it's definitely like it's like a slow burn tension based kind of thing. They're building up to this. They're building up to this. And there's a lot of cool like not not even really subtle. Like there's a lot of themes out like uh, that you can take out of it, like certain characters, what they're going through. You you get some details in the past stuff and it's like, oh, they have a history of this. or It's like, ooh, that person's doing this. Um, the one thing that I like is it doesn't. It doesn't give you too much just like dropped on you. It's like, oh, this is what it is. It does that sometimes. But for the most part, it kind of lets you kind of connect the dots, which I, I think we talk about a lot. Like I think mm. stuff like that is inherently better for me where it's like, well, you'll figure it out. They don't treat the audience like an idiot. They do it sometimes in this movie. But uh, I think a lot of it is like, oh, you'll figure it out. So it is kind of a good like slow burn um atmosphere horror movie and uh like what what the hook is i like i like movies like that i think that's a cool idea to go into um but so the the one thing about this and uh, i don't say this a lot uh so i think it counts uh people might say i'm full shit but in the first like five minutes i think i had this figured out and i i I guarantee you will too like in five, 10 minutes, you'll be like, I know exactly what this movie is. Mm-hmm. I know exactly where it's going. And I could tell you, like I, I in my letterbox review, I said which movie I thought it was. I think if I told you that, it would give it away okay. right away, like what this movie is about. But in the first, I'm like first five minutes, I looked at me and I was like, have you ever seen this movie? <laughs> and he was like, he's like, no, you told me to watch that. I was like, yeah, I did. Um, he's like, I'll watch it after, but. And I don't know, maybe, maybe that's just me. When you go to this, you see if it reminds you of anything and then you can look back at my review and see if, uh, I'm, see if you agree or if I'm way off, but okay. I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to say like, you know what I mean? I'm, I don't think I'm full of shit. I had this figured out in like five, 10 minutes. I was like, okay. I know exactly what this fucking movie is. So it's good, but, um, I don't know. Although everyone who says it's this masterpiece, I think is a little bit, uh, too, over the top. I remember a lot of people said the Babadook was a, a fucking masterpiece yeah. of a movie, and uh, we all know how that turned out. So it's good. Uh, I'll, I'll wait. I'll reserve uh, any other thoughts until uh, you've seen it. But I do think you should see it in theaters. Just pick the right crowd. Go right. on an afternoon show. Yeah. Okay. So oh, that's Hereditary, man. Nice. Hereditary, man. Superhero. Wow. It's like Meteor Man. That was a good movie, you know, when he like touches the books and absorbs the knowledge. Hmm. I love that movie. That movie is rules. Yeah, of course you do. Well, RJ, do you have any movies to talk about? Yeah, I do actually. Oh, I, that's too bad. So I watched a little number called "Only the Strong." What's that about? It's from 1993, directed by Sheldon Latish. The tagline of this film: "The ultimate martial art." 
uh, a recap here from Letterboxd. I, I don't want to miss anything. <laughs> okay. Former Green Beret Louis Stevens returns to his hometown of Miami after completing military service in Brazil, only nice. to learn that his old high school has become a haven for gangs and drug dealers. After Stevens uses his capoeira skills to kick several drug dealers off of the school property, Kerrigan, one of Stevens' old teachers, sees the impact that Stevens has had on the students. Kerrigan gives him the task of teaching Capiera to a handful of at, at the worst at-risk students at the school. RJ, are you familiar with the fighting skill of Capiera? I know capybaras. Is yeah, that a... no, they're not. Not the same. Are not, you sure they're, they're not large rodents? Uh, Capier, it's just like a kicky, flippy style of like martial arts and dance movement. That's like a thing down in Brazil. Um, okay. It's it's yeah. I I only ever found out about it because like at one point there was this pro wrestler who used it, and I was like, because the announcers would call it that, and I went, oh okay, I've never heard of this before. It's not used really in like real mixed martial arts because you're gonna not win fights fighting this way. Uh, other than like mm-hmm. beat up jobbers who don't know what they're doing, um, so this movie starring uh, Mark uh, Dacascos, uh, his like most famous movie uh, claim to fame is that he played the uh, the Indian in Brotherhood of the Wolf, who's like awesome. Oh, in, nice. Who's like awesome in that movie? If you're if you've watched the it. what the, the Indian he played the what he's the Indian. Oh my god! Oh come on. Flag this for insensitive, culturally yeah. insensitive. The uh, indigenous first persons. There uh, you go. Yeah, there you go. No, so he's, you the, go. he's the Indian in that movie. He was awesome. He's so cool oh. in that movie. Mm-hmm. The Native American. Uh, anyway, so he's the main dude in this. Uh, this movie mm-hmm. exists purely as a somehow a movie to popularize Capiera and show like how it can make everyone's life better. And... Um, it's like the uh, quote unquote save the rec center type of story where mm-hmm. a bunch of bunch of kids or never do wells who are like brought under the tutelage of the the main charismatic guy who's got a hot bod mm-hmm. and he's got all the moves. hot bod he's oh got he's got hot abs he's got hot thighs uh, we get some real perfunctory sex scenes not even sex scenes like makeout scenes with um, the lead actress who's like given no character development whatsoever. This movie uh, is the kind of like it's watchable, but mm-hmm. it is completely skippable uh, as far as uh, your early '90s martial arts, but like PG thirteen martial arts, where people are just like, "Oh no, there's a fire at the high school." Oh no, the kid went to go save the stick they use in their like festival stuff, and then he died from smoke inhalation. And it's like not even like he didn't even burn to die, burn to death. He just like smoked, breathed in too much smoke, and then he's like, "I want revenge," mm-hmm. and he beats he beats up people, and lots of lots of uh, forgettable action ensues. Uh, this was a Corey pick. Uh, Ooh, I, 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 I a, a new tag for no, the show. So he no, as in like he had never seen it either, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, sure, I don't give a fuck. I didn't bring any movies. I don't care what we watch. Let's just watch. A thing, so he put this in, and it was like okay to watch at the time. But I like at this point, I'm like, oh yeah, I've seen that thing, and it's more funny about this I, this weird little movie. It's like trying to push a martial art on the world, and thinking that like if we just break open the doors, everyone's going to start doing this, and then like everyone will be doing this out in their yards, come together, just like jujitsu or RJ. 
everyone doing jujitsu in the backyard or in the front yard of their uh, their uh, the camp, dorm of uh, the dorm room. Yeah. So what Ro- Jared's rolling. referring to is uh, when I was uh, in Colorado at Colorado State University, Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, there was a guy on my dorm room who. Uh, so the way the dorms worked is there was like bathrooms in between two rooms. So me and my roommate had a door that went to like a toilet and a shower and then the room next to us they had a door that went to the same toilet and shower and there was this guy this big guy named john and uh he was we were freshmen and he was in his fourth year i believe and uh, he would occasionally come into our room sometimes unsolicited uh, like one time i was watching the uh, 90s x-men tv show and he burst into the fucking room and he was like what are you watching he's like is that x-men i was like yeah man yeah, uh, which is like no big deal. But one time we got a bunch of Taco Johns uh, and uh, he came into our room because he smelled the tacos and was like, what do you guys got? And we're like, uh, tacos. And he waited until we ate it all. And we ate it all. I didn't offer him a goddamn one. Mm-hmm. I ate that son of a, that whole bag. And then uh, he when he saw the food was gone, he left. What was I talking about? Anyways, this guy had wooden swords and he did jujitsu on the lawn in front of the dorm, uh, which is cool. But uh, he wasn't very good at it, so I get you know maybe he practiced up and he got better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's uh, John. That's John. Martial arts are bad for you. That's what yeah. that's what we're getting at. Yeah. There uh, you go. And so yeah, the title "Only the Strong" is in reference to like Darwin, I guess, like dumb, like a dumb person's imagination of Darwin, because like the one's teacher when he's mm-hmm. teaching the class at the very beginning, he's talking about Darwin and about the, the about being strong. So that's it. And it's also has references to... Doesn't he mean to, fittest? And uh, as Roger Ebert reminds us in his review of this film, where he gave it one out of four stars, uh, he talks about fascism. And, oh, and, nice. and, and the only way to solve violence is with more violence. So watch out for, for brown shirts or something. I don't know. For what? Brown shirts. My God. Mussolini. We are going to get flagged. M- Mussolini. I, I, I understand. Yeah. I understand. Uh, reported, and then I watched uh, a film that this could have been an RJ pick called Prey. Could have been, yes, RJ, um, but not, uh, not quite. This movie didn't uh, live up to my expectations of what I was signing up for. Um, mm-hmm. And here we go. Here's a little description. Uh, his savage hunger makes us all alien prey. This is from 1977, directed by Norman J. Warren, who also brought us uh, a film I talked about previously called Inseminoid. Oh, wait, I have this on my watch list. You, you do. Yeah. Because uh, I actually sent this to you when I found out mm. about it. Because I was like, this sounds like RJ movies. The mm-hmm. day after a weird green light is seen in the English sky, a strange young woman stops at the country home of two lesbian housemates. It oh, turns shit. out that the man is an alien and a hungry one. Nice. This does sound like an RJ pick. So, uh, when when you see screen caps of this movie, this like man with like a little like wolf snout on, uh, mm-hmm. I was thinking like this this is going to be like Alien Beast, like a Don Dollar gem, and I'm going to be like super into that. Um, but instead, this movie is a slow burn British horror movie set on a country estate with two lesbian women. One like kind of like your forty something like 
I guess you would call quote traditional lesbian woman, and then you have mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the younger woman who's kind of been groomed into it. But she seems like she could like in a heartbeat go toward a man uh, if given the right uh, temptation. And sure oh, enough, shit. this this man rolls in, and she's like kind of like being flirty and stuff like that. And of course, the other one's very uh, much on the defensive about this situation. Uh, so mm-hmm. the movie just kind of like plays out with this like dynamic of this like man who's been body snatched kind of like he looks like a man but he's like got alien insides and whenever he tries to eat regular food he just vomits it out the only thing that satiates his hunger is flesh uh, be mm. it animal flesh or human flesh um, so yeah this movie just kind of like plays out uh, it's well made uh, mm-hmm. this Norman J. Warren guy he's uh, his movies are all kind of like there's something off about these British horrors from like the 70s and 80s like they don't quite feel like real movies they mm-hmm. like they're somewhere above television um, and there's like no other way to put them but like the watching these two movies back to back one's like an alien knockoff uh, and this one there's a Spanish horror movie I was thinking about while watching this called Symptoms um, they just mm-hmm. have this like kind of like lethargic vibe to it that they don't make movies like this anymore. They, but every type of movie tries to be this, which I think maybe like Hereditary is trying to be like it. Um, I've seen a few of the yeah. uh, the horror hipster types on Letterbox. They're uh, uh, they're kind of picking apart Hereditary. They're saying that it's like trying too hard and stuff like that, which I don't know if is neither here nor there. If that's true or not, I haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll let you know one of these days. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so Prey was like, the other thing that brought this to my attention was uh, it was on a list of movies that were like on the video nasties list, but never actually got officially put on it, which is like a list of about like 78 more movies on top of the 72 Mm -hmm. that are on that video nasties list. And I'm like, well, this movie was never banned, but it was watched very carefully because it was very uh, salacious. But I don't know. It feels like just a typical 70s horror movie like many others. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't mind it. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed RJ, but I've kind of stopped rating movies on Letterboxd. I, I feel that. Oh it, God! I, I, I Are feel, you? I feel like it's like it, I, I find it w- weird watching movies and like thinking about star ratings, and I'm just like, why do I do this? Like, why don't I just watch this movie? And then if I like a movie, I can just be like, I like this movie. It, Jerry, you know we've talked about this like years I, ago. I know. And uh, you were a big advocate of the star ratings. And now I've, I've come around on it. I just... Totally flipped. People are going to say after episode 100, they totally jumped the shark. Jarrett mm-hmm. wasn't watching movies anymore. They're not rating shit anymore. <laughs> oh. I, I, I just find it like weird to be like, I don't know, unless something deserves like a full on, like I know exactly how I feel about this. It's like, nah, I don't know. Am I, am I a consumer guide? <laughs> Am I uh, helping people decide how their purchases or how to spend their time? Is that what I'm here to do? I don't know. I ain't, I ain't getting paid that kind of money. I'm not Leonard Malton. I'm not. I just. Big I Eeps. think most I'm, people would be disappointed. I don't know. Who knows? All. Maybe there'll come a point in the next two weeks where I go back and I just blast through these things and go review. Here's my star rating for this, 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 and this. When I feel like totally mm-hmm. indifferent toward it, maybe that'll happen. We'll see. Maybe. Maybe. Anyways, I watched a couple others. I watched this YouTube documentary that I did not know existed. Someone on my Sad Bastards and Loser Cinema list uh, posted mm-hmm. this movie as being like, hey, this has got to be on there. And that film's called Gothic King Cobra. 
So hmm. this is a documentary uh, from 2014, filmed in 2012, uh, by a guy who goes by the name of Trapped. Trapped. Excuse me? Trapped. T-R-A-P-P-P-E-D. Like the water? As in trapped, but I'm going to try to really accentuate that extra P. Trapped. So Cut it out. Keep going. This is here's a description. The daily pursuits of metal musician, YouTube personality, and Wendy's employee, Josh Sanders, in his mm-hmm. hometown of Casper, Wyoming. This movie um, perfectly encapsulates the sad bastard genre. Uh, it's an hour long. Uh, this mm-hmm. is, it's on YouTube, and it is indeed about a YouTube personality. Uh, this guy, Josh, who goes by uh, Gothic King Cobra. He is mm-hmm. a, uh, a tobacco enthusiast. Um, I didn't realize this documentary existed, but I knew this guy existed because over on a, a Facebook group that uh, I think we're both on still, at least I'm on, Podcast Town, uh, oh, no. I would often see like stills of this guy being shared and like the like the fact that like he records these like anywhere from 20 minute to two and a half hour long videos that are just like stream of consciousness videos of him sitting there in his uh office uh talking mm-hmm. about things like smoking tobacco from pipes reviewing <laughs> tobacco different brands uh just talking about this and that um alleged interest in music i have yet to actually see any attempts of him playing music but this documentary that somebody made about him following him around on his exploits riding around on his bicycle in the middle of the midwest and like these towns if you've ever been to the midwest uh it looks the same everywhere you go you and i rj we know it we live it uh when you watch this it, it could be like anywhere it could be the north side it could be uh, like an hour out of town it could be the edge of calgary it, it's just like this this area of the world just looks the same no matter where you go there's a bit with this josh kid going into a halloween store or at least like mm-hmm. one of those like st- shops that are selling halloween crap around mm-hmm. the time of year and just like oh yeah it's the same old plastic crap everywhere you look and the way people look at them like oh this kid he looks real funny with this like collar with like stud collar and long hair and like Iron Maiden t-shirt looking at shit and just like yeah that's just what kids look like in some some kids look in this part of the world mm-hmm. um, and this other one's just following him around with a camera seems perfectly normal to me um, and all, all this thing consists of is this Josh Saunders guy giving these long monologues about his life and experiences and him telling jokes what he thinks are funny and mm-hmm. his sex life going very much into detail about having sex with his girlfriend and how it's no big deal and about how much love. detail uh he lays he lays it all out their acts okay. the acts they take plate they take part in uh it's this is some real cringe filmmaking because uh, mm. this guy has no qualms talking about things it's like a real mix of like ADHD um low IQ um <laughs> a lot a lot's on the plate this is like totally for me though this is that school of uh, harmony Corinne gummo filmmaking uh but mm. like it's just about a, a real deal fella um I, I I mean I would not recommend this to an RJ or Andrea uh I feel like you're mm-hmm. uh this this would make you too this is too real for you too 
um, and for others. But if if uh, if you're if you're enjoying, I don't know. It, there's no real nice way of saying it, I guess. Like the the lower classes. If you enjoy watching documentaries about that, maybe because you secretly want to feel better about yourself, or you genuinely are interested in just like watching like 13 year old kids rapping shitty hip hop shit in a mall, like a real dirt mall. Uh, this has that. Uh, it's got scenes of like guys hanging out with their best buddies, smoking outside of like a Seven Eleven, talking about their fake sexual conquests, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, hanging out with like drug dealers that are like old veterans that now just drink uh jagger constantly buying jagger at uh, convenience stores and just pounding it back and you think that's a good time this this is the documentary for you is that not a good time i don't know i, I don't drink so you'd have to tell me you fucking nerd did you say this was in casper casper wyoming i've been there man yeah yeah i spent some time in wyoming dude Mm-hmm. I've been to Casper. I've been to Laramie, to Riverton. <laughs> I've been to all sorts of places, dear. All over. That's my uh, Vin Diesel. Oh wow, it's getting better. You, you know what I'm saying. Um, so my last p- movie I'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a, another Vinegar Syndrome joint. Um, oh no. It's, uh, it's called Pigs, aka Daddy's Deadly Darling, aka. Mm-hmm. The Thirteenth Pig, aka, aka. This movie's got a whole lot of like alternative names. It's existed in many forms. Mm-hmm. To uh, recap, a, a, a tagline here: a madman, a psycho killer, and mean <laughs> cannibal pigs all together in the scariest film you'll ever see. And that's just false. These pigs are not cannibal pigs. They're like man. They're they're man eating pigs. Oh yeah, that's nothing to do with cannibals. Not at all. Teenager Lynn kills her father while he tries to rape her. The receiving officer at the mental hospital cannot convince her that her father is dead. After electric shock treatment, she escapes in a nurse's car. There is a farm where the manager is unable to feed his pigs on the usual swell. They have tasted blood. Human blood. Lynn stumbles on the farm. She is looking for work, she explains. Papa, they tell me, what do you see? One little girl as deadly as can be? What? Uh, The circle Uh... begins. Feed people to the pigs. Then eat the pigs. I have no idea what any of that has anything to do with anything. Um, so this description actually describes like the horrible version, the horrible cut of this movie where mm-hmm. none of that beginning part happens. It just shows up with this woman in a nurse's outfit, driving a car, abandoning it, and then showing up at the farm. Um, yeah, this movie is totally my jam. Uh, it is, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's pre- Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but feels mm-hmm. and looks a lot like Texas Chainsaw Massacre as far as like mm-hmm. sc- scummy farmhouse rooms. Um, on the flip side, though, RJ, it also has another Toby Hooper movie in its veins, and that's uh, Eaten Alive, where it has uh. like it has this like really unconventional <laughs> feeling to it, where like nothing like the actors are all unprofessional, like not unprofessional, but non-professional actors. Like just they mm-hmm. ramble, they mutter their lines, and no one asks to reshoot it. Uh, there's some real dankness to this film. Uh, so the director, what, of the, what kind of dank? So the the director of this film, Mark Lawrence. Uh, this movie stars his daughter, which I didn't realize watching it. Tony Lawrence, who's like the lead actress. Uh, there's he's very okay with like shooting her cleavage and like her walking How around. How okay? Very okay. 
Very gotcha. okay. We're, gotcha. we're like, you just were thinking like, oh, this is just like all your exploitation, whatever. But then you realize this was shot by her dad. And there's like this whole thing where like in the story, her characters was driven crazy when her father tried to rape her and she killed him. Mm. And then now he's filming this movie about her like living her life, but she's unhinged and on the run. And then like a man tries to rape her and she kills him. And it's like, huh, this is... Quite the film. Quite the film. Sounds uh, like a real Jarrett pick. You betcha. Uh, so yeah, we get some pigs. Uh, you, you'll be glad to hear that nothing untoward happens toward the pigs. Fucking better not. Yeah. Uh, there's a really cute dog in this. Uh, er, everyone's kind of like vile or like sarcastic, mm-hmm. um, mean-spirited or strange. I, I thought this movie is like quite unique and special and I was really glad to watch this it's like that perfect kind of like American regional independent film that Mm. uh, you come across once in a while that actually lives up to its potential rather than just being boring this movie's never boring Uh, I was watching this with Chanel and she uh, was quite enjoying it Um, Mm. and she also got to stick around for that gothic King Cobra as well so uh, she she was kind of staring off into space living large that that day oh yeah that was that was like a good Monday nice but yeah, pigs, hell, hell of a picture. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't really care to see it. That's yeah. I don't know how you would uh, watch this one or not. If you'd uh, get anything out of it, you wouldn't, there's so many movies you have uh, already borrowed from me. Then maybe you should watch before getting to this one. Uh, I watched like four of those this week. So you watched two. Well, and one the last week. Yeah, you're getting there. Hey, RJ. The, yeah, what? You got any news for us? Uh, I heard Disney's not going to make uh, those standalone Star Wars movies anymore. Hmm. Is that a fact? Or they're putting it on hold. Do you see they're, what they said. Did you see they're also uh, paying Fox, 21st Century Fox, $70 billion? 71. So uh, what was it? Warner Brothers offered 65. Comcast. So they, Comcast. So they, uh, they put an extra six bill yeah, on there. Yeah, here's just an extra six bill cash. Just cat, yeah. I saw that it was cash plus a uh, stock or something yeah. like that. It's my goodness. It's amazing. They really want to make their fucking movies with more character IPs. That's great. They sure do. Uh, yeah, that's it. You got any news, bro? Well, last week at the end of the week, Criterion announced its September releases. Uh, anything good? Uh, we got ourselves a finally a Blu-ray release of Andre Rublev with both mm. cuts of the film, so you can see all the horses getting shot in the head and being mm-hmm. thrown down steps or whatever the fuck was in that movie. <clears throat> um, we got My Man Godfrey coming to oh. Blu-ray. <laughs> I don't care about either of those movies. Yeah. But you know what? There's going to be people who will be tuning in, checking out our YouTube reviews of those movies. So we got future listeners coming up, baby. Yeah, but I'm going. All they're going to hear is me shitting on it. All of our popular videos are me shitting on this movies. Is, yeah, exactly. It shows you that you're out of touch. Yeah. 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 Uh, we've got a Cold Water directed by uh, Olivier Assayas, that mm-hmm. that that fellow who directed that Personal Shopper and. Uh, Irma Vep and all those types of movies. I think this is like one of his earlier movies that people seem to be real hot on. <laughs> Get it? Cold water, hot. Don't. <laughs> Don't. Uh, we got A Raisin in the Sun, directed by Daniel Petrie, starring that Sidney Poitier. 
Uh, this movie, I've, I've seen that title bandied about a little bit. Uh, I, I've never seen it. Don't really know anything about it, but that's cool, mm-hmm. I guess. And uh, the one that I'm glad about is Ingmar Bergman's Scenes from a Marriage is finally coming out on Blu-ray. So I'm really oh. glad I delayed buying that DVD all these years, thinking, like, when's that Blu-ray coming? And now it is. Now that, that matter is settled. Of course, the, big, the exciting thing, though, is this is September releases. I'm very curious what their October releases are going to be because uh, that's usually when the spooky movie comes out. I bet uh, their John, October... some, some good genre stuff. Good genre? Do you think Puppet Master 1, till, uh, one to 13? No, oh, I said good, so no. Uh, but, oh. RJ, we all know huh. that uh, Criterion's got, sitting on those uh, Godzilla movies. They are. They should do that uh, master set with that, all 30. They might do some sort of Zatoichi-style Godzilla set. We'll see, though. I'm not sure. But it won't be everything, though, because they don't have the rights to everything. Just do it. Do it. Just do it. Cool. Yeah, that's it for my news. Nice. Awesome. Let's fucking rock this thing. You ready to... You old, you old boot? Yeah. Uh, after the break, we're <laughs> going to try on some shoes... So an old man can jerk off to him after the break. um, Did that happen in this movie? Jeanne Moreau, vous venez de tourner sous la direction de Louis Bunuel un film intitulé Le journal d'une femme de chambre. Là, j'aimerais à ce propos vous poser quelques questions qui intéresseront certainement nos spectateurs. Très volontiers. Voudriez-vous d'abord nous parler de l'œuvre du roman de Mirbeau Oui. Octave Mirbeau avait juste 50 ans quand il écrivit Le journal d'une femme de chambre. Vous devez savoir que Mirbeau était un très curieux personnage. Il a mené une vie très agitée. Il était journaliste, pêcheur. Et même sous préfet. Il s'est battu en duel plusieurs fois. Il a été élevé par les jésuites. C'est une chose qui se sent profondément dans toute son œuvre. Il n'est pas étonnant que Bunuel, dont l'œuvre est anarchiste et forte, ait été attiré par Mirbeau et en particulier par le journal d'une femme de chambre. Oui, en effet, on sent d'ailleurs dans l'œuvre de Mirbeau un ton outrancier, forcené, choquant même quelquefois. Oui, et en particulier dans le journal d'une femme de chambre. D'ailleurs, avec un pareil titre, on pouvait s'attendre à tout. Alors nous sommes prêts à tout entendre. Oh, bah, je ne vous dirai pas tout. Il est bon qu'il y ait toujours un petit peu de mystère. Mais sachez seulement que dans ce film, je suis une femme de chambre parisienne qui a servi à Paris, qui vient travailler en province. Et pour elle, c'est un peu la prison, c'est un peu renoncer au monde. Et elle va travailler dans une famille pour le moins curieuse. Alors je vais vous présenter les différents personnages. Il y a d'abord monsieur, 
qui pense beaucoup plus aux femmes qu'à sa femme. Madame, qui pense beaucoup plus aux convenances qu'à son mari. Il y a le père de Madame, qui adore les femmes, mais qui adore surtout ce qui représente pour lui la femme, c'est-à-dire les bottines. Et puis il y a un jardinier, un être mystérieux, un peu effrayant, qui attire Célestine, qui est le personnage que j'interprète. Mm -hmm. Et puis, il y a un capitaine, un voisin, un homme assez violent. Alors, et vous, le personnage que vous interprétez Eh bien, au milieu de tous ces gens-là, Célestine essaie de rester elle-même. Son rêve, c'est, enfin je le crois du moins, d'avoir à son tour une femme de chambre. <rire> Dites-moi, Jeanne Moreau, c'est la première fois que vous tournez avec Louise Bunuel. Oui j'ai été très touchée par sa patience. Il dirige les acteurs avec énormément de précision et de gentillesse. Il est d'une très grande curiosité, rien ne lui échappe. Il passe des heures entières à étudier la forme d'un col ou d'un vêtement. Il a le sens de ce qui est vrai. Et puis, c'est un homme d'une très grande bonté. On a l'impression qu'il sait tout des hommes et qu'il a une très grande indulgence et qu'il les aime et il les plaint en même temps. Et c'est vraiment un homme passionnant. Merci, mais euh, Jeanne Moreau, tout ceci ne me donne pas le genre du film. Qu'est-ce que c'est Est-ce un drame Oui et non. Est-ce une comédie Oui et non. Est-ce euh, une étude de mœurs Oui et non. <rire> Alors, une, une énigme policière Oui et non. Comment définir ce film ben, C'est un film de Bunuel. And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Diary of a Chambermaid from 1964, directed by Louis Benwell. Uh, the synopsis here from Letterboxd. Celestine has a new job as a chambermaid for the quirky Monsieur Montel, his wife and her father. When the father dies, Celestine uh, decides to quit her job and leave. But when a young girl is raped and murdered, Celestine believes that the Montel's groundskeeper, Joseph, is guilty and stays on in order to prove it. She uses her sexuality and the promise of marriage to get Joseph to confess, but things do not go as planned. So, this is a movie mm -hmm. that I've been meaning to watch for a number of years. It's Louis Benwell. I like that guy. It's Criterion. I like that Criterion. Um, but it's just like never been a movie that's been like high enough up on my list of movies to watch, uh, for me to like go out of my way to watch. So what a great excuse to doing this podcast to finally get around to watch this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, we just watched a few weeks ago that, uh, Discreet Charm with the Bourgeoisie. It was a movie mm -hmm. that, uh, in my younger days, I was pretty high on, thought like mm -hmm. that movie was the, the real bee's knees. Watching mm -hmm. it again for the first time in like... 15 odd years it was kind of like oh i've seen so many movies now i i've kind of like my uh my taste and like overall exposure to cinema has widened uh, quite a bit so i didn't really know what to expect with going into watching diary of a chambermaid uh it seemed to be that this movie had been received like okay people think this movie is just fine uh so i just kind of like okay well we'll see what it's like uh so anyway mm -hmm. uh i think wound up actually quite liking this movie even though it's got some 
stuff, some shade, a shift in it that's so dramatic. Mm-hmm. I've never actually, I, I think this is, the movie's got one of the biggest shifts I've we've encountered in our creep. I think I know what you mean, but continue. So the, okay. <clears throat> so the first half of this movie, uh, it's kind of like this, we call it a comedy, a kind of a dry black comedy, black, black comedy of this woman who moves in to uh, this community to work for the rich guy and his family. And she's kind of like sassy and doesn't take much crap for it. She kind of puts on the airs of it, depending on who she's talking to. Um, she thinks she's better than the job. Uh, but there's a lot of like, uh, I guess we like kind of like with the screen charm of the bourgeoisie, lots of like jabs at the, the bourgeois class and just like how they're all degenerates and perverts, conceited assholes. We've, we've seen quite a lot of that lately mm-hmm. between like discreet charm, uh, my man, Godfrey, um, we've, we've been being exposed to a lot of these sort of ideas, uh, frequently the last few weeks. Uh, and even like uh, thinking about it, uh, what was it called? Uh, uh, Torshawn. Um, oh, coup de Torshawn. Yeah, coup de Torshawn. Yes, coup so de Torshawn. Even like, there's elements of like Joseph for me in mm-hmm. the, the main guy in that. I don't know. Maybe it's just the mustache. I I don't know. Maybe I'm. Uh, I think all French people look the same. But when I think about it, there's sort of like this, like kind of like dark tone to that movie. But I think mm-hmm. here. It's it works a little bit better. Maybe it's because like I think this movie is like a far better made movie. Because uh, this movie looks great. It's nice, widely mm-hmm. shot, really nice black and white cinematography. Um, and yeah, like I said, the first forty five minutes are like this kind of like black comedy, just like I don't know, with all these like dark, strange setups, and like you get mm-hmm. the, the the character of Joseph. Uh, who is I, I started to describe as our boy because um, he no. he he is like quite a loathsome man. Uh, He's your boy, real uh, Jared over there, playing at strangling kids and going on about the wogs and the Jews and talking about how he wishes he lived in Paris so he could slit the throats of a Jew every day and talking about the, the alternative right. Uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I want to directly quote that uh, insensitivity warning. Uh, I believe he says the wops and the kikes, mm. uh, which I thought was, I was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Because we, we get that in these uh, criterions once in a while. But uh, I sent you a picture of that. I was like, yeah. holy shit. Yeah, I hadn't watched the movie yet at that time. And I went, oh, something to look forward to, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> Joseph. Uh, Joseph, he, a g- good guy. Good guy. He's he good is guy. The, he's definitely the, the, the creep of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like this movie, it's all like kind of these weird little episodic little observances of like – the rich and stuff like that. And like, even like you get these, there's this great moment in the movie early on where it's like, we have Joseph talking to one of his buddies that they're doing their uh, right wing newspaper and they're just running off their mouths, talking shit Mm -hmm. about the politics and how they run the world. And all around them, you have all these scenes of like three women who are all like busy at work and like mm-hmm. they're, do, they're actually doing things with their time. Like there are practical things. And then you have these two guys sitting around a kitchen table bitching about stuff. And you're like, this is like perfect. This is like an encapsulation of like how life continues to this day. And that's another thing that's like really interesting with this movie, uh, watching it is this movie really feels relevant 
to today uh, in, mm-hmm. in very strange ways. Um, there's some like real like old men feeling up ladies' calves and saying, oh, don't worry about it. No, it's, mm-hmm. nothing, it's nothing weird. Just let me touch your calf up a little bit. Come closer mm-hmm. to me. Yes, you're going to read this to me, and then you're going to wear these boots, and you're going to walk around in them. Oh, don't worry. It's nothing weird. Nothing weird at all. And it's like, oh, let me, let me polish up those shoes for you. And then he picks mm-hmm. them up and slinks away quietly off to the bedroom. Um, yeah. So this this movie, it's got that, that, that fetish stuff going on. Some real, a lot of real Jarrett's. Some Jarrett's going on. Uh-huh. Um, and then we get this like hard change in the middle of the movie where there's a little girl, little Claire, she's walking home after collecting snails and mm. berries in the yeah. woods. Uh, she is, uh, off camera, brutally raped and murdered. Mm-hmm. And you get this like really amazing shot. That's like kind of like as tasteful as this could be of just this like girl's legs with snails on them. And it's really Mm -hmm. like, Whoa, like what the fuck just happened? And I had just read the, like as the movie was going on, I just happened to read the synopsis and I was like, what the, I went like, what the fuck? When, when does this part of the movie start? And then it started Mm -hmm. like right then and there. Um, and then it turns into this like murder. She wrote kind of like thing Mm -hmm. where it's like, I started imagining this like, television sitcom about a chambermaid who travels town to town and then like she gets embroiled in like sex crimes and murders Mm -hmm. and she has to solve them and she solves them by like marrying people or like uh, offering her hand up in marriage to get them to confess to her um and it's just like okay that's that's quite the change and like and then like so uh when i was watching this uh in real time uh, Chanel came home right about around the middle mark of this movie, at which point I went and made lunch for myself and I came back and then the little girl gets raped and murdered. And then Chanel comes into the room and sits down and starts watching it with me. And that's when it turns into this like murder mystery. Mm-hmm. And it, the movie has a completely different vibe to it. Like the dark comedy and kind of like uh bun, bun well stuff kind of like vanishes for like a long time. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Whoa, this is really good. And I'm like, this is like a completely different movie. Like this isn't the same movie anymore. Like it's the same characters, but like the tone and shift, it seems to be like focused now again on the novel. Mm-hmm. And I was like reading. So like, yeah, this, this is based on a novel written in 1900. Uh, there doesn't seem to be like a really precise, well, like not really, like there's no great perfect adaptation of the source material. This is one of three uh, that exists. There's this one, there's the um, uh, Renoir, uh, Jean Renoir made one in like the in 46 or 44, but it's like a comedy, an American made comedy. Uh, that's got kind of like broad strokes of it. I don't think it's got any of the murder stuff. Um, and then there's like a, a French version that came out a few years ago. That's supposed to be just terrible, like a real crappy period piece. Um, but it's like more, I guess more faithful to the source material. So we've never gotten uh, a specific take on this movie and like i've seen people kind of complain with this uh that it's not benwell goes into business for himself and uh he kind of makes his own movie and has his own ideas like updating things like to contemporary times or contemporary ish times with like this backdrop of like anti-immigration in france and stuff like that so anyways Mm -hmm. um i thought this movie was pretty fascinating uh really interesting uh, and so in that regard, it was a pleasant surprise and mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I might like it right now more than discreet charm of the bourgeoisie. 
But RJ, what did you think of Diary of a Chambermaid? What do you think I thought of Diary of a Chambermaid? <laughs> Predictably, I don't think you like this movie, but I don't know. That that was my fear of watching this movie. Like, oh, it's another movie that RJ's not going to like probably. So <laughs> let's just get it over with. We'll get get it over with? Is that why you did your homework on this one and you were prepared? No, actually, I, I, I actually You're just liked, interested? I actually liked this movie. I thought it was really interesting. So, Jarrett's referring to a recent... I mean, it happens all the time, but most recently it's been happening quite a bit. Like, uh, infamously in the My Man Godfrey episode, which is just a bad movie, but apparently Jared and the rest of the world like it for some weird reason. Uh, so that's the most recent one. I have been known not RJ, to like I, I want to point out, this, this very day, I uh-huh. had a conversation with a customer at the comic book store, and uh-huh. we both talked about how great My Man Godfrey is. Oh, that's so planted. You that didn't really nope, happen. Not at all. Not at Why, all. Complete. What do you get out of lying so much? <laughs> These fabricated stories <laughs> that are so pointed at certain things. It's like, oh yeah, oh my man Godfrey. Yeah, I was just talking to a complete stranger today about that we very were, movie. We were talking about Criterion re-releases, of and course. and he was saying that how he wasn't going to buy the new Blu-ray because he's already got the DVD. He doesn't like to double dip, but he loves that movie. And I went, yeah, the movie's great. So well written. Go yeah, on. We'll see when, when that blue. Yeah, when that comes out, and we get more listeners because there's a re-release, and it's just one more movie, one more popular video of ours where I just don't like it. Anyways, I understand why you would probably think that. There's a lot of movies I don't like. However, Jarrett, I actually like this movie quite a bit. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think this movie is way better than Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. Discreet Charm is a better made movie, and it's more like snappy. It's like ooh zinger, zinger. Like it's there's a lot of allusions and metaphors and things like that. It's it's a movie. It's a film. But uh, I think this Diary of a Chambermaid is a lot more entertaining. Uh, people know I don't like uh, rich people or movies about rich people feeling bad for them like magnificent uh, mambersons which is like another Ma- another one magnificent of these mambersons yeah. my man godfrey exactly uh so i don't really like those movies uh this movie i liked because uh, all of the people are so loathsome in uh the greasy sense mm-hmm. whereas in like my man godfrey i was like i hate all these people but it's just because they're spoiled and bored uh in this one you have the old pervert uh you have the groundskeeper who's a sadist you have the uh, virile and insatiable husband, and then you have the wife who just hates all the maids. And I was like, I can get down on this. I don't know why. I don't know why this is different from those other rich people movies, but I liked it. Uh, I summed this movie up uh, as foot fetishes, sadists, <laughs> and perverts. Uh, so I guess it is a true creep pick. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot to like about this movie for the most part. Uh, so I did like it more than discreet charm uh i think it is definitely split into two movies and it it's kind of it is it's a bit it's not jarring but it is like oh well this is like a whole different movie now because i think that first hour is definitely this weird examination of like how these people are and i think there's a lot of really great stuff there uh, the one scene I like a lot is when the old pervert is uh like putting the boots on that uh celestine the maid and uh, he's like taking them off 
and there's just kind of this long shot on her and she's really uh uninterested oh, yeah. in what's going on she's like really bored yep and uh, like, i thought that was really like a re- just a really good shot because it's, it's almost like it's like most women getting paid to do things they don't want to do they're just yeah. like well i'm here and getting paid this guy's just going to do what he does and i'm just going to sit here and be like completely not interested and he won't even notice yeah exactly and uh like i i just thought that was a really just a really good scene because it's it shows shows her and kind of the stuff that she's been through and like she has that backstory too of like working for royalty and all that junk and how this is kind of like a step down almost for her uh but then it's like this old guy who has all these peculiar interests like he's got that he's got that wooden woman in his office that's like real creepy and uh, he likes trying shoes on people and touching calves but uh, she's so uninterested in it. I was like, man, that's really good. I like that. So there's stuff like that that is cool. And I think this movie starts off, it's really weird. Like uh, my first comment, I don't even remember what it was, but it's horse buggies and lingerie. And I'm trying to think of why I wrote that. Okay, so. I oh, there's it- a lingerie store. There's yeah. a horse buggy going through a town, and there's a yeah. lingerie store. So, and I was like, oh, okay. that's a nice picture. Okay, so it's interesting that you made that same note. There's something yeah. about like how well shot this movie is like right from the get-go like how it draws attention to weird things because my very first note is surly faced coachman which is joseph who's like the main guy he's like he's the main emphasis of this movie like he's like the last character you see in the movie too like at the very very end when they're singing the like anti-immigration chant he's got the store at the end like it's Mm -hmm. him um and then you get the uh, shot of her like tying her shoes while on the carriage and it's just kind of like well that's an odd shot but it's like you don't usually see that and so they're bringing your attention to this thing but you're also getting this long leg and the kind of like the the runs Mm -hmm. in her um leggings and you're like oh so it's like she's kind of like she looks good like she dresses better than everybody else but there's all these little cracks in the facade that are just subtle things but they're also Mm kind of like things that people go like oh and they see like a run in the leg they go "Mm, she's that's a little sexy isn't it like it's just little stuff like that and it's like that's how that kind of reads and then there's the shot of like the with the horse going through town you see the breath of the horse because it's like a cool day and it looks so good and you're like man like this like already this movie is like cooking uh, on a cinematic level, it's cooking with gas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I also thought this movie was cooking with gas right off the start. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have stuff like that, and then I think you have a uh, like what Bunwell, Bunwell, uh, what for the limited amount of stuff I've seen of his, I think he has like some not like ludicrous humor, but uh, absurdist type stuff. Uh, and it's really subtle in this movie. But there's that scene where the guy's like trying out guns and there's a butter- a butterfly <laughs> lands on a-, a branch and he just fucking blows it away with like mm-hmm. a shotgun or a rifle or something. And I was like, that's such a weird thing to have in this. That's like a Looney Tunes style mm-hmm. uh, bit. I, I, I don't know. Um, so there's stuff like that. And you're right. Like it does a really good job in the first half of building up these characters. Like that Joseph guy, su- such a such a piece of shit. He's talking about WAPs. He's really rough, uh, rough goose handling those geese. And uh, when Celestine's like, she's like, don't do that. Just do it this other way. And he's like, no, I like it when they hurt. And you're like, oh, fuck. This guy's a little uh, out there. I didn't like that part, but, um, you know, it it builds the character. That that uh, goose was perfectly fine. They killed that goose for real. 
Well, there was definitely a dead goose. I don't know if it's there the same goose. but I, I imagine it was the same dead goose. But anyways, pretty rough goose handling. Just shaking them by the neck. I've picked up geese before. It's not easy. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so the first half is really good. They set up all these characters. And you get a good sense of who each of them are. Yeah. And then, yeah, there is this huge shift. Mm-hmm. And it's this murder mystery. Uh, I'm a little confused as to what her plan was, but I think that kind of adds to the movie. Like near the end, I guess, spoiler a little bit, like it doesn't really amount to much. And I think that works a lot better because her plan is a little confusing. It's like, well, I'm going to sleep with him. I'll seduce him so he confesses. Yeah. But then, he, but it doesn't really work. That was her whole and, idea. Yeah, that was her whole idea. And it's like, that's an admir- admirable girlfriend. But uh, I like that. It, I like that the plan doesn't work no. because it's just like it's like this is kind of a dark movie. It's got those dark like it's a comedy, but it's got those undertones that uh, it's like, oh, that's some depressing shit. Like a little girl got raped in this movie and killed with her fucking bucket gut- of snails and, and, and described as being gutted, gutted. Uh, so it's got stuff like that. You're like, oh, shit, this movie's playing for keeps. So. Th- but the murder mystery stuff, I don't like as much as uh, that first hour. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, whatever. I'm I'm kind of on board with that. It's no like I really liked the autoerotic asphyxiation of the old pervert just fucking whiffing on uh, huffing on those boots. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really funny. So when you don't get that in the back end, you're like, oh, man. Um, but it's got some cool things like uh when she realizes her plan doesn't work and she's like oh shit so she just goes to that guy who's like will you marry me he's like a bored rich guy and she's like i'm gonna her her plan doesn't work and then so she plants evidence that it was joseph in the woods by the crime scene and then when he gets arrested she's like ah there we go now oh well this 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 old rich guy wants to marry me that sounds like a Mm -hmm. good enough plan and then they're like going about their life they're married life's good and it's like oh yeah joseph's getting off there's like no evidence he's fine and she's like oh shit and then joseph's fine he opens up the 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 cafe with a pretty wife mm-hmm. and they're gonna they're opening it up for the soldiers and they're gonna chant about you know chasing the immigrants out of town out of town <laughs> and it's I, like, I tried to screenshot that because i thought it was really funny yeah. it's it's topical and we get a nice hard fin yeah uh i was so that's the only other thing uh i think first hour is really good Second hour is like this totally different kind of movie. Not hour, second half. Yeah. Uh, and then the only knock I really have on this is I think the ending is really abrupt, and it was really out of nowhere for me. Oh, it's because it's, it's super hard. Like it's like it's hard end of the movie. But even like the revolution stuff, I felt like was out of nowhere because you're getting this scene with Celestine, and she's with that guy, and he's like, "Yeah, uh, the guy." The guy goes. He's he's gonna get off. There was no real evidence, and then it goes to her, and she's like, she's like, oh shit, and then it cuts to like an angry mob mm-hmm. shouting down with immigrants or something yep. like that, and then uh, and then it's you see he's okay, and then it just Finn, because yep. I was just like, where the fuck is this? Like, where did this come from? But like, not in a bad way. I was yeah. just like, where did this come come from? But other right. than that, mm-hmm. I do think this. I actually like this movie quite a bit. I thought yep. it was good. That's good. I'm glad. Yep. Uh, I don't, I don't have horrible taste all the time. (laughs) I just sometimes with these, uh, more non-traditional types of movies that are well-made, but maybe like not the most like appealing story on the face value of it, where you're kind of like, this is like not a movie that, um, doesn't follow a traditional narrative. Doesn't fit the masses. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that hereditary movie we were talking about earlier. Yeah. People laugh it off the screen. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. This movie's got talk about diseased Paris girls. That's just like this on constant thing about yeah. just like, oh, you know, girls from Paris, you know what they're always up to. And, but that's like very, that's also very appealing because they, they must know a thing or two. Uh, there's those lines. There's like the one that's like super good. Cause it's like, what does that mean? Like where the wife, uh, is kind of admonishing her husband. Cause she like, she doesn't get sex or she doesn't want sex. And her husband's just like a, a real sex pest. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he's always like knocking girls up, uh, or like getting into trouble and having an affairs. And he's like that one girl, uh, from bibliotech. Yeah. She costs us 1500 francs. And you go, why did she cost you 1500 francs? And then I go, Oh, one of two things. Either she had to go pay for the abortion and 1500 francs is a lot of money to get an abortion or that's hush money. Cause she got knocked up and she got sent mm-hmm. away. And you're just like, Oh yeah. These offhand little comments. There's not a lot of like, I can't believe you got that girl pregnant and you sent her like, there's no, like there's, it's just like a comment about you cost us money <laughs> rather <laughs> than like what you did to me personally. It's more like the inconvenience you brought to me by costing us some money. And there's like the comment about like, Oh, the taxes for our dead uh, father. It's like 450,000, 450,000 francs, uh, funerals, 358 francs. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Yeah. I just like the taxes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that means the thing with the taxes. That's right. Uh, there's like, during the, uh, the, the boot walk when, uh, Celestine's walking around in the boots, I think that's like really well done. It's it's like super well shot. Uh, and it all pays off with old man, bored woman, and he's going to go jerk off in the bedroom. (laughs) No, that's, that's what I was saying. I, I think that part's really awesome because, uh, it's so rare that you get to see autoerotic asphyxiation anymore. (laughs) So and yeah, it's it's really rare now. It used to be common. It's just yeah, it used to be like such a common thing. Um, I just I've never seen it done on a boot, and uh, I thought that was really funny. I was like, nice. He killed himself smelling boots because he was so horny. <laughs> um, you, yeah. You ever do one of those? Can't say as I have, but well, I'm, I'm you I'm, might get. But there. I'm glad the movie went in that direction when it did because it was it's on everyone's mind. And then they decide, yeah, we're going to push it. We're going to do that. We're going to do it. We're yeah. going to make this guy horn dog out on that boot. And then one day there will be a boutique uh, DVD line and will be released on sure. there. And people will come across and go, yeah, boot huffing perverts. Um, so one of the things, like, so her whole plan, uh, Celestine's plan to, like, ensnare uh, Joseph the the monster and we don't even know if he actually did it yeah i mean all evidence in the film leads us to believe that he did i mean we get a nice little montage of a a boar chasing after a little like boar pig chasing after a bunny and uh i mean that's not that's that seems pretty clear cut to me well he it it doesn't show you him doing it but he does fucking run into the forest after he like looks around, so I think it's pretty safe to assume that he did do it. Mm. That it's, might just be me, but yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's a, yeah, it's the big question, isn't it? The big question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, the whole plot though, uh, this is like for my own amusement. But so you've never watched the show T- Delocated, right? I might have brought it up to you at uh, one point or another. I think you said it was good, but I don't really trust any of your opinions, to yeah. be honest. So there's this part of the movie, though, like where her whole plot is like to marry this killer to like get him to confess. There's this one episode of the TV show Delocated where like the main character, uh, they literally pull a face off moment yeah. where him and the uh, the guy they're going to infiltrate, they 
get, get knocked out and then they actually do the thing from face off where they switch faces. And so the rest Ooh, of the nice. episode is like him being played by the other actor going back to his life in the Russian mob and like trying to get this, mm-hmm. this information, but it keeps going and going and going to the point where like he's now married and like has had children it's like, so he's been undercover for years and then it's like all in one episode and then it's like, oh, hey, we got the information we needed. You don't need to be undercover anymore. And they just leave. And it's like, it's so absurd and hilarious because it's like so messed up that like this man's life's completely destroyed and these other people. And this sort of story is like, so was that her plot? Like this whole idea that she, how far along would she gone with this? If like, what's, what's going to happen? It's like he confesses to her and then she can go to the police. Yeah, he told me he killed her. It's like... <laughs> It's like that. That would have been it, and he would. Have been, he could have said, "No, it wasn't me." That's that. Yeah, it was fine. It just wasn't me, man. I guess that's why she's only a chambermaid. She uses what she's got to yeah. do what she needs to do. Mm-hmm. You ever been there? No, I can't say as I have. Man, have you ever lived, dude? <laughs> been a chambermaid in a French chateau. Well, I mean, if recent movies would, if any Timothy Chalamet movies would lead you to believe, everyone has lived in a French-Italian chateau at one point in their life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, He doesn't, but that's fine. Mm Mm-hmm. Want to hear about who, from people who hate this movie? If you want to tell me about it. Is there, is there many? Uh, There's a few. This movie's got, like I said, like uh, this movie's got a much worse reputation than uh, Discreet Charm. I, w- I we'll get there after you read these, but I wonder why. I don't know. I I think this movie's like pretty solid. I think a lot of people just don't watch it, and the people who do just maybe are lukewarm uh, on it. But I think vocal it's- minority. Lance, half a star. So boring for a Bunuel. Moreau stinks. That would be uh, Celestine's uh, actor. Uh, oh, she's good. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Habes, two stars. A critical film in Binwell's career ushers in his French filmmaking years. Hits all his usual bullseyes, anti-bourgeois rage, sexual perversion, satire of nationalist politics. Mm. But the effort is tepid, a bit too adrift. I enjoyed the reviews I read about this film far more than the film itself. Um, Backtrack a little bit, Lance. <laughs> Seems like he gives half stars to everything. Oh. But he gave... Five stars to Hereditary and five stars to Heat. Oh. Yeah, that's that's a, a fun uh, alignment of what we were talking about earlier. It's like Both it's, of them bad boys. It's like it's really coming together in a Everything. lance point. Oh. Everything's coming up Millhouse. You read uh you read Brandon Habes, right? Yep. He also gave Hereditary four stars. Everyone's watching that Hereditary. You know what he gave five stars? Heat. Uh, heat. We'll leave it at that. Uh, Bergman's uh, oh, Call Me By Your Name. Moonlights. Mm. Mm. That's a good one. Oh. Uh, okay, keep going. So, Rhett, a.k.a. Christy, a.k.a. Bog Mummy. Two stars. <laughs> An enthusiastic two-star review. A cutting look at bourgeois culture through the lens of a woman navigating a terse, tight web of intrigue. It mm. is it is political elements make this extremely relevant to our situation today. Some beautiful shots, camera work, and excellent performance make this one to see. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, what, what is the problem? Did they like this it was, movie? It was an enthusiastic two stars. 
I mean, they did say that, uh, but, but you know. Well, they got a lot of Criterions in their five stars. Mm. But you know what else they have? What? Something called uh, Young Adult with yeah. Charlize Theron. That's a good movie. Is it? Yeah. Is it a five-star film? Mm, I won't go that far, but it's, I liked it quite a bit. Hit me with another one. Okay, well, last one from Film Critic, Mike D'Angelo. Two and a half stars. Revisiting for my piece, or revisited revisited for my piece about Film Forum's uh, Michael Piccoli retro, though I didn't wind up mentioning it because his performance here is atypically weak. This still just seems like a mess to me, frankly, with Benuel and uh, Carrere imposing then-contemporary political concerns onto a decades-old source for which they're in no way suited. It's as if somebody were to remake Catch-22 and make it all about Trump administration. I see what you're doing, and it's just a distraction. So they weren't into the political aspects of uh, Bunwell's interests. Uh, uh, so you've mentioned this dude before, right? Yes. Yeah. He's a, he's a hard nut to crack sometimes. So uh, he gave uh, Paul Schrader's new one three stars, which, by the way, everyone I was mentioning has watched Paul Schrader's new film. Mm-hmm. But this guy also gave Moonlight only two and a half stars. Yep. But also... He gave Night of the Hunter five stars, hmm. which uh, people will find out when we get there. But I don't think either of or n- neither of us were too hot on that film. So, yeah, we'll get there one day. So I'm on to you, Mike D'Angelo. D- D'Angelo. He's got some hot takes, man. He, Mike like, D'Angelo. You, you should read his The Thing. <laughs> Where he talks about how the, the effects oh, have the aged badly. Oh, the special effects are bad? Yeah. Oh, fuck off. Yeah. What a nerd. He is a nerd. A nerd. Um, anyways. Uh, yeah. Any other thoughts here on this diary of a chambermaid? Uh, no, I actually liked it. I thought it was pretty good, man. Like uh, what we're talking about. First half is one movie. Second half is another movie. And then it ends. And it's kind of out of nowhere. But yeah. uh, I, li- I liked it more than I thought I was going to. Mm-hmm. Going in uh, Bunwell deep. Outstanding. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. After the break. Um, Farts. RJ is going to marry the soldier next door and live snails. happily ever after. And Jared will be found in the forest with snails to his naked legs. Are you going to go huff some boots now? When am I not huffing boots? I guess not during the show, at least. Thank God. 
if I went out huffing boot and that's the way I died, I think I would be okay with that. You can email us at criteriancreeps at gmail.com and tell us about your fetishes. <gasps> we got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. We have a Patreon as well. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, all that jazz. And next week, Spine 118. Ooh. It's a return to Preston Sturgis world. Oh, nice. Because we were watching Sullivan's Travels. Oh, yeah, we were talking about this, remember? Yeah, I, I remember. Remember when we were talking about this? Remember, remember you were like excited? You're like, oh, we're going to watch another movie of his soon. Yeah, I like this guy. Now, now, we're, now we're doing that. Well, I guess this podcast paid off for something, hey? That's right. So yeah, Sullivan's Travels, 1941. Next week, are you gonna? You should watch some uh, Old Brother Where Art Thou, because that movie apparently borrows liberally from this travels. But... What are you for real? Yeah, I'm for reals. All right, I'll look into it, but I'm not really impressed that's, with your that, attitude. That's, that's one of those claims that people make. I, I never quite saw it, but it's a bit of a it's a road movie. Is is that kind of like how people claim that Hidden Fortress is uh, the sole inspiration for the Star Wars it's, franchise? It's exactly like that, actually. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. Okay. I'm all right. All right. Well, good night. Um. Uh. Hey, what's up?